and welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today I am joined by Michael Felger. Mike, what's up? How you doing, Evan? I am great. I am great. I am happy you're here. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fun time having you on. Uh, I remember, I don't know if you remember this. I was on uh, BST with you back in April. It was the last night of the regular season. And I came on and you said, Evan, why is Patrice Bergeron playing in the final game of the regular season? And I said, Felger, it's because you got to keep him fresh. The family's watching. It's his final game. He's a veteran. And then he was injured. And then you said, and then we were talking Eastern Conference, or we were talking, you know, playoffs because that was the night they got the Florida Panthers matchup. And you said, uh, Evan, what, you know, why aren't you talking about the Panthers at all? Because I think I was going on and on about the conference final and different teams they could face down the road. And I said, why are you worried about the Panthers? What is the point in worrying about the Florida Panthers? And then obviously what happened happened. So you need to return the favor. You need to come on and you need to give two horrible takes right off the, off the jump. We need to even it out uh, because this is, uh, it is, uh, it, it's unfair that that's, that's, uh, that's well, how it started. Shame on you for not being skeptical of the Bruins. You should always be skeptical of the Bruins. That that should be your default. That's where you should start with this team. I don't know how many times you have to get burned. Bruins fans have to get burned before you realize. Start with the thought that they're going to choke and gag and lose and go from there. Don't go from the other direction. Trust me. You, but you didn't think they would lose in the first round. I mean, that was entirely possible. Didn't surprise really? me one bit. Interesting. I mean, not that I, I picked it. I don't remember what I picked. I'm sure I picked the Bruins just to pick the Bruins and not have to deal with it. But it didn't surprise me one bit that they did that. How could it surprise any of you? Yeah, I mean, it, historically, it didn't surprise me. I just thought the roster was too good to lose in the first round. I know it, it's I know it's last year, and I know that it's... it's. Uh, I mean, I was shocked that they did it. But, I mean, again, you see some of the similar things pop up this season, um, and you sort of start to worry. And I am with you. I am on the more skeptical side. I picked them this – going into this year, I picked them out in the first round. So I, I, I covered that base. Um, it must – first of all, before we dive into this team, it must feel good for you to talk Bruins. Because as, as much as they do break people's hearts, it must feel good right now with how bad the Patriots are to talk about this for a little bit instead of the Pats, right? It's always a change of pace. It's always night. Nice. Whenever you talk about anything other than the Patriots, it's a change of pace. And I always enjoy hockey because I, I am, you know, I am a fan of the sport. And the Bruins are really the only team in Boston that I'm actually have fan instincts for that, you know, as a fan, like that thing, you know, you want them to win, pisses you off when they lose. I hate the Canadians. Like it's the only team in town that I have those sort of base instincts for. So that's, that's, I don't know. That's why I like talking Bruins. Well, yeah, and because in Wisconsin, what was the – did the Bruins I, – I, you know, growing up, were they the team that played uh, on TV in Wisconsin? Was that how that worked? No, it's just growing up in Wisconsin, being a hockey fan, I had to pick a team, right? And so that's just the team I picked. Uh, and it was – I was growing up in the, you know, mid to late 70s and uh, always been an underdog, you know, just I've always sort of I gravitate towards the underdog. And those were the years they just got the bag beat out of them every year by the Canadians. But I remember it. I remember those Sports Illustrated covers in the late 70s and the Lunch Pail AC and that that group. It was I thought it was just sort of an ultimate underdog team versus the Canadians who were so crazy talented. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. It was just a cool team. Cool team, cool city. Uh, and so I've always – since the day I was a little kid, I've always been a Bruins fan. So it's just – I had no team in Milwaukee, so I sort of had to gravitate – gravitate towards one and that's the one that I gravitated towards. 
And it worked out because you ended up working here for your basically your entire career. So it actually obviously worked out pretty well. Um, that's interesting though, because again, I grew up in the Bruins of, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron and Chara. And like, I grew up in a totally different time where they won all the time and they had success. I mean, they've obviously uh, choked and gagged uh, <laughs> here and there, but they have had some success. And I find that interesting, the juxtaposition of the, um, of the, of the eras. This team... How do you feel about this team? Are you surprised at the start? Are you like, where are you at with this group? Definitely not surprised. Like, so I, I, I've never been in the camp ever. Have I felt the Bruins are the favorite? The Bruins got this. It, the, honestly, the only time I felt they were going to win ahead of time was after, I want to say game five of the final against Vancouver against game mm-hmm. uh, after game five in Vancouver in 2011, I changed my mind. I said, you know what? These guys are going to effing win the cup. And it was uh, Luongo after you that You can swear. Game. By the way, you can swear on this. You can totally swear on this okay. if you, if that you, was if the you feel the need. game <laughs> where uh, Luongo came out after the game and said, well, you're always pumping his tires. No one's pumping mine. And why are you always talking about Tim Thomas and not talking about me? So that was after game five. They won in Vancouver. Vancouver won in Vancouver. Luongo did that thing after game five. And after watching that, I said to myself, that guy's not going to win. That, that guy's soft. not going to win. And it was really more about Luongo than it was about the Bruins. But before the last two games against the Canucks, that's the only time I have said, and you can check the record, it's the only time I've said they're going to win the Cup. I, I Before Game 7 against St. Louis, I felt horrible about that game. I, I may have predicted them the win, but I never felt it. I never really said it. Um so that's the only time I felt they were going to win. So this is a long answer. I'm sorry. So I've never felt they were going to win, but I've never felt they were ever going to suck. Like the people who were saying before last year, oh, this is it. They're going to fall off the table. They're going to suck. And now this year, oh, Bergeron's done. They're going to suck. I've never felt they were going to suck. And I never felt they were going to win at all. So I don't know why anyone be surprised. Why would anyone be surprised that a team with one of the leading goal scorers in the league one of the best defensemen in the league and two of the best goalies in the league would ever suck between Pasternak, Marchand, McAvoy, Lindholm, Swayman, Allmark. How how is that team going to suck? They may not be great, but they're not going to suck. So I'm definitely not surprised that they have a good record. I'm not surprised that they might be overachieving a little bit on that record because that's what they tend to do. And so, no, I'm not surprised one bit. I thought they'd be good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same camp as you on this because I like going into the season, you know, you'd see it on Twitter. You'd see the national uh, people saying, oh, the Bruins are going to fall off. Bergeron, Krejci are gone. Bertuzzi, Hall, gone. They're going to be, you know, they're going to fall to the bottom of the Atlantic. All these other teams like Buffalo and Ottawa and Detroit are going to rise to the top finally. And it's like there's that winning culture, which we'll get to in a bit, that I always kind of go back to like, Yes, they have their playoff issues, but the regular season's never a problem. Marchand is still there. Like, you still have those pieces, as you mentioned, that that have you competing every year. And I, I, I'm i with you. Like, I've heard you a lot over the last couple weeks ragging on the Sabres, which I think is hilarious because, again, it is a loser franchise. And I like their younger talent. Like, I do. Deline and Tage Thompson, like, they have a good young nucleus. But it, I just... Don't know how it gets to that next level because they, they know can't how to play? play defense. That's the problem. They don't know how to play defense. So uh, that's been one of the things this year. And you also have to count on Toronto. Toronto's a 
bunch of choke artists up there. So, like, I also look at them and go, look at the division around them. So, uh, I do think there's a little bit of overachieving. And you saw that a bit last week because they were sort of starting to struggle a bit. And, you know, some of the same themes of last year popped up. You know, issues on the breakout, uh, defensive zone lapses, uh, things like that. Um, so, cup contender-wise... Do you have them as Stanley Cup contenders? Yes. But, you know, I mean, like, what does that mean? Does that mean I think they're going to win the Cup? Fuck no. Okay. <laughs> does that mean that I think that they're one of the teams that has a chance? Yes. I absolutely think they're one of the teams that have a chance. I mean, if their goaltending just stopped crapping itself, that alone would give them a chance. But, again, on paper, they have two elite defensemen. Uh, on paper, they should have two good lines. If Charlie Coyle's on your third line, that's a good third line. So, and again, the competition. I don't trust Toronto to win a playoff series. Tampa, you know, I think the last couple of years has backslid a little mm-hmm. bit. So, you know, I, I like them coming out of their division. Uh, but Which, again, what, it's not going to surprise me when they gag in the first round, but they should be right in that conversation. I mean, they, they led the Panthers by a goal with a minute left with the goalie pulled. Okay, and of course they gagged it, which they <laughs> right up doing this year, obviously. Yeah, so, that's the top theme. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big well, theme, but, not I the mean, top theme, but a good one. They were right there with the team that came out of the East, so they they could have won that series. They could have gotten a lucky bounce in overtime and won that series and got like so. Like I sort of expect them back in the same spot. They're not as good as they were last year, but I don't know if they necessarily need to be. If they what? are. If they're eighty percent of the team they were last year, last year, but their goaltending is much better, then they can win those series. I, I, it's interesting. You you hit it there at the end. Like obviously on paper they were way better last year, but you look at this year's team and defensively they're they're older, they're more mature. You know, obviously there's no Dmitry Orlov, but he was never a defensive zone stalwart. It's not like that's a guy that you know you're losing a ton of uh, you know defensive ability with him, and. In, in net, I think, I just think, you know, in net, the Swayman and Olmark are a little bit better now than they were last. I think Swayman's taken a huge step. I mean, you could arguably make a case that they're, because it's interesting. Going into the season, I didn't see them as a cup contender at all. I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd be, you know, third in the Atlantic. Good. Make the playoffs. Have a good first round. Make it six or seven games and see what happens. I don't know if that's changed. I don't know if I put them in the true cup contender status. Because you're right, they should be. They should be, but maybe that's where that, that negativity that you have, you have wanted me to have is kicking in where I, I don't know. Cynicism. I don't know. Cynicism. Cynicism. Okay. I don't know if I see them as yet as true, true, like top four or five teams. Cause record wise, they're top four or five in the NHL right now. They're the Mm -hmm. top Eastern conference team, but I don't know on paper if I put them as top four or five. In the, and this is going to get me more hate than it's than anything you say in this episode. Um, but I, I and I've said that I've been consistent on that. I don't know if I see them qu- there quite yet. Um, but they are built for the playoffs. They're a little bit bigger. They're a little bit more physical. They went through last year's uh, debacle. They're better in net. They're fine on defense. Like if defense and goaltending is their thing going into the playoffs, and you're winning a you know you're winning a ton of regular season games, three two two one, you know low scoring, tight physical games. Maybe you're better suited for the playoffs than you were last year. So do I don't know how much better they are defensively. I mean, I know the goals against are low, but was that because of the goaltending, or is that because of the quote unquote defense? I mean, now we you got to bring in a nerd to tell me their high danger chances and that kind of bullshit. 
But you know, you're lucky. Uh, you're lucky. I can't. You're lucky. I can't search things up with the and have my Wi-Fi not crap itself. So, or else I would be the nerd telling you all the stats right well, now. But but, I don't have you know, I'm sure someone. You know, I'm sure you got nerds who are listening who could tell me that in one second. Well, the goals against are low, Felger, because the goaltending is saving at you know x amount above expected. Blah blah blah. That kind of thing. So, I, well, it I is the goaltending this year. Yes, I don't think they've been great defensively this year. It's a long way of saying I think they've been okay defensively, not great. Lindholm has not been good, Agreed. you know, by his standards. McAvoy obviously missed time and hasn't been great. You know that stretch where they gave lost three straight. McAvoy was a minus six, you know, in that stretch. So, is it more goaltending or more defense? I don't know, uh, but. You know, however, however you crack it. I mean, if you get hot in net, obviously we all know that story. I just think, you know, if they're going to fucking platoon these guys like idiots, you, that's going to prevent you from having a hot goalie. But that's a whole nother story. Well, that's a whole nother story. I want to get to that story. Uh, but first, a quick word, Felger, a quick word from our sponsor. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel, that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many wins the Patriots are going to have this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many shutouts Jeremy Swayman's going to have this season. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Mass. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-trawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. <laughs> it's, it's incredible, isn't it? If that, Gary Tangway, incredible voiceover for uh, for ads, you have to admit. I mean, you worked well, with him for it. years. Oh, yeah. I, there was a movie I watched. I forget what movie it was. It was a couple years ago. And all of a sudden, like, Gary Tangway is in the movie. And I was just like... But he, I didn't realize he acted. Oh, yeah. So, He's good for him. It. Good for him. Uh, the goalie tandem. I've seen you and Ty Anderson, obviously, debate it uh, quite a bit. Uh, I think this is where we disagree. Uh, this is where the... I guess the cynicism hasn't quite hit me yet. Or maybe it is a, a weird dosage of cynicism. But explain your position on the goaltending tandem and, and all that for the playoffs okay well it's you're not going to platoon goalies in the playoffs it's stupid it's nonsensical they can they say they're going to i know they say they're going to but they won't they won't evan and i don't need to explain it to you they got the guy you're, you're in a nip and tuck seven game series to go to the stanley cup final all mark pitches a shutout in game six on the road now you come back game seven and you bench him for the other guy you're not going to do it. Like that's just you don't have to, for, but you don't have to for that. I don't think you can. You can go for Omar two straight games. Okay, well, you, okay. Well, then what happens if it's in the second round and now it's game five and you go up three to two in game five in the second round? The guy pitches a shutout. Now you come back and you swap him out. No, you stick with him. Yes, I, you, I agree with you. 
and now you're in game seven. Are you going to sit him? No, you're going to ride him in game seven. Now you're in the Eastern Conference fucking finals. Okay, let's bench the guy who just pitched three straight shutouts. You're not going to do it. It's stupid. You know it's stupid. It's not going to happen. Okay, so now that you know it's not going to happen in the postseason, and you know in your heart of hearts it's not going to happen. Okay, <laughs> do, going back and forth in the regular season, it, it it doesn't it doesn't battle test anyone. It doesn't harden get it doesn't get either guy ready for what's ultimately going to come, which is every night your ass is in net, and it gives these guys it softens them up. I mean it's it's kind of easy on these guys. They're always fresh. They know when they're going to play. Every other game, they get to rest and you know rejuvenate. Then they come out fresh, ready to go. They, you know, they have a great relationship, obviously. So there's no jealousy, there's no infighting. It's happy. We everyone's hugging each other. But when you get into the playoffs, it's your night. It's your net. You're expected to carry it. It's not all you know, freaking grabbing each other. You know, it, it's not all happy unicorns, <laughs> hugs, and show ponies. It's you're expected to win. You're expected to get up the next night and do it again. And what goes on in the regular season, I think, softens these guys up. And now they're not ready to go when it really matters. They got to pick a guy in the second half. They got to give him the majority of the nights. They've got to get him. They got to get his pitch count up, if you will. Stretch him out. You know, use baseball analogies. And he's got to be the guy. And doing anything else is doing a disservice to the team. And, and, so, they, and trade the other guy. How's that? Trade the okay. defenseman. So, so I agree with you in the sense that I think the myth or the whole thing pitched last year was if they, if they do a tandem, one of them's going to be fresh for the postseason. And I agree with you. It was proven that when they do that and then go into the playoffs and try to ride a guy, that, that guy's just not ready. He has not been playing every other night or every game, you know, for most of the season. So it's going to be hard to just ramp that up in the playoffs. But the tandem, they're going to stick with it throughout the season. It is what they are doing during the regular season. And I don't think it's the worst idea because I, I disagree. I don't think the tandem's a bad idea in the playoffs because it just didn't work at all. La or, or, riding one guy did not work last year. So to me, I like it, to me, like let's say, Olmark has a great game one, right? They, they go up one nothing. Swayman comes in game two, bad, one to one. Omar comes in game three, they're up 2 1. Swayman comes in game four. Bad again. They're 2-2. Two, two. You can go with Olmark in games 5, 6, and 7. To me, I think it's the rest in between there. I don't think it has to be a strict Evan, every other what night. Everyone's benching a guy and going with the other guy, which is fine. Okay? Like, everyone does. Like, a lot of teams have done that. Everyone does that. No problem. One guy sucks. Go to the other guy. I'm fine with that. That's not a platoon. And you don't have, and you don't have, you don't need to have two number ones to do that. You know, the Stanley Cup champion did. What is Aiden Hill even a fucking NF, uh, NHL goalie? I haven't checked up on him this year yet. Yeah, right. I, he's, a no, he's a nothing. So it, it it's like you know Jordan Bennington's a nothing. You know, it's like you don't need two number ones. I'd much rather much swap out the backup, have that be a top four defenseman or a top six forward. If if you know if you can swing that, and you get much more value out of that, and have the Boosie kid be the backup. How's he been in Providence this year? I don't even know. He's, he's been good last year in the AHL. If you're an all star in the AHL, can be a backup in the NHL. Well, again, what what's Aiden Hill? And I, I I just think you need good goaltending. I'm not telling you you don't need goaltending. Of course you do. I think it's a waste to have, especially if I think you know, I think it should be Swayman this year. You know, five million dollars sitting on the bench every night in the postseason when that could be a defenseman or a forward or someone who could really help you. Don't 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 do that. 
I see. I just I think such an advantage having two legit number one goalies. I know. I see your point. Like you in in the past in playoffs, you can win a Stanley Cup with a you know with Aiden Hill last year was a number five goalie for Vegas. I get it, but that's luck. That's luck. And I do think you have the two guys. I think it's luck. I do think there's a. I mean, there's the Cassidy defensive system in there too. I'll give you know. Right. You don't think Vegas was an excellent worthy team? No, 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 I do. I'm saying having okay, a so goalie, starting goalie. Yes, it was a compliment, but I do think having two number one goalies is a good thing, especially if you can platoon them in the playoffs. And, but to add to my point from earlier, having, let's say in my situation, Olmark goes games five, six, and seven, I think you can come back with Swayman in game one to give Olmark a bit of rest to, to kick up again. And I know you think it's stupid, but I, to me, that's, to me, that's your strength. It's the Bruins strength. And like the whole idea, Olmark has a ton of trade value. I agree. Um, I would love to get a, a top six forward for him. I'd love to get a top four defenseman. I'd love to get a first round pick. Pick in the first round again. That's the biggest thing I think they need. But not till wait till the end of the season. I I this is again. I want to see them try the tandem in the playoffs. I do. I want to see them give it a shot. And I know you roll your eyes. I know you think it's stupid. But I want to see them try it. You have it's. It's you have that strength over every other team. No other team has that. Um, and I think again, if you trade Olmark to, you know, I don't know how he waves his 16 team no trade clause to Edmonton, but in the event that he does, and you add like a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, let's just say, so you become a little bit better up front and you become worse in net. Like I, to me, you're just moving. You're you're taking away from your strength, and that's how what do you I think. Become worse in net if Swayman's playing every night in the postseason. And and you're playing well in front of them. You're the same in net. You're not using all mark on the bench. But we go round and round on this. Uh, if if uh, look at this point, I, I'm you know I just want to see it from a talk show standpoint because I'll be able to fucking rip it every night. So let's just <laughs> it, go ahead and do it. It does. I as you say, it does help with four hours of programming. Um, but I, I just to me, I go back to you have it in the regular season and then you try it in the playoffs. I come from the perspective I want to see it. I want to see the tandem in the playoffs, um, and I want to see if it works. If it doesn't work, you're three. You're up three nothing on me. So that's I guess that's the the big one. Okay, we're um, up the score. Yeah, <laughs> run up the score. Um, but if I get it right, that counts as two because it's two goalies. So Fine. I think that I think that works uh, its way. Uh, an interesting thing, um, you know, bigger picture because you're you're a big picture guy. You're the king of you know looking ahead, being ahead of everybody else on on points. Um, do you think the Bruins have the right core for the next 10 years? Like this core of younger kids like Patra, Lowry, plus your McAvoy's, your Pasternak, uh, Coyle, Zaka, Swayman. Like, do you think the right core is building to match what they've had the last 20 years? I'm curious your take on this. Yeah, I do. I mean, again, is that going to be an elite? You know, does that match? what this lightning cord was just was, or the current Colorado core. Uh, no, but it's pretty good. You know, that that's going to keep you in the mix. I think that's going to keep you And Lind, you put Lindholm on your list. He's only 30. I didn't, right? but Lindholm's another one. I forgot. 29, 30, whatever, you know, like he's La- long term. He, he's right. And he's prime. So, uh, no, I, I, I do again, we're, we're not talking about the nineties red wings or some, this Blackhawks team, but what, all of a sudden, you're going to turn around and draft Kane and Taves in back-to-back year. I, I, I just don't know how you really improve that core. So I think it's pretty good. I think if you build around it and make smart moves around it, that, that can be a good team and a contending team for a while. I, I don't think they're going anywhere for a while, frankly. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I remember a couple of years ago thinking, oh, you know, that the, the Bergeron years are ending. They have no number one center coming down the pipeline. Uh, the Studnika thing really didn't work. And I remember thinking, oh, they got Pasternak and McAvoy, but not quite sure what you have else there. Like, you're hoping Coyle makes the jump. Zaka wasn't here at that point. Lindholm... And credit to Sweeney and them. They made some smart trades. Uh, the Lindholm one, I mean, you you gave up a first. But you. I always say, like, and, and I've heard you say this before, if you're going to deal a first-round pick, deal it for someone you would hope to develop with a first-round pick, right? Like, you would hope to develop a defenseman like a Hampus Lindholm uh, with a first-round pick. So I'm fine with that. I'm fine with uh, the Zaka thing. Um, do you think they need a legit, do you think they need to go out and get a legit number one center? Like, has Patra shifted your viewpoint on that at all? Uh, no, he's not a number one center. Uh, I don't think. Not, uh, nice player, pleasant surprise. Like, uh, it's uh, a huge boon for the uh, Bruins that this kid came along, and he should be playing. You know what equates to top a top six role. He should be playing with either Marshan or Pasternak, and Charlie Coyle should be more in a third line kind of thing. It's a huge win for the Bruins. I never saw that coming. Maybe again, a lot of your hardcores knew he was coming. I didn't. So, but, but. He's a number two. Saka's a number two. All right. So somewhere in there, do you need a number one center? Do you need a true elite number one center to win it all? I mean, maybe you do. And if you do, that's the one shoe that has to drop, and that's the one move that has to be made. And so, you know, that puts him short of being like the, the elite kind of team that I think, you know, you'd want them to be going forward. And it's a fair second guess. Yeah. They probably need that guy. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember thinking in the in training camp, the way Patra was developing and saying, oh, maybe, you know, because I think he's a top six center in the future. I agree with you. I think he's a number two guy. Um, I think he does all the right things. I think he's sort of Bergeron Krejci-esque. He has similar traits and characteristics. Small stuff does that well, like good defensively, good in his own, you know, good with that stuff and can also produce a little bit. I think he's on pace for like 38 points this year, which again, he's 19. I mean, that's, that's fine. You take that every time. Um, and I, and what's interesting is Coyle's third on the team in points. Like, he's he's produced. I've been pleasantly surprised with his usage, the way that he's produced in that usage. Because, again, the issue with Coyle for the last couple of years has never been, oh, he's, you know, his low IQ. He's a high IQ player. He I've plays always the liked game. this player. I've always he's liked him. I, I always like awesome. to say he should be more... You know, if he could just, if the puck would go on the net more when he's on the ice, he could be a top six guy, but I'm just, I've sort of given up on that, but I've always liked his game. Yeah, great game. And and in this season, the way it's gone and his fit with Frederick and Van Riemsdyk, I kind of say, you know, maybe he has ascended into being a top six uh, center. Again, it's a small sample size, but I'm, I think he, I think he's on the way. I don't know if it's, I, I'm not saying it's a definite, but I agree with you. You probably do need to add a number one center. Jake DeBrusque this season and the idea of him as a trade piece and a trade chip. Do you, do you resign him or do you send him packing? Bye-bye. I'm thumbs down on Jake DeBrusque and um, yeah, I would not resign him. And if you could, if you could somehow parlay, look, I mean, let me give you the guys that I think are expendable. And if you can spin this into a hockey trade that gets you, I don't know how this gets you a number one center, but okay. But, Allmark, some combination of Carlo Grizzlick, one of those two, if not both. I mean, you I don't think, like Brandon Carlo much, right? That's not, yeah. Uh, and I think the Brandon, you know, the Carlo Grizzlick thing. I mean, how long are we going to be at this now? Like, that's just not. 
it's just not good enough. And with Laurie, um, Grizzlick should be expendable. But so Allmark, some combination of uh, Carlo, Grizzlick, if not both, DeBrusque. Okay, so those are four younger players. Uh, Allmark's not, you leave that out of it, but he's a Vesna Trophy winning goalie. Three young players, top four defensemen, top six forward. Uh, you're going to have to sign those guys so they don't have terms. So I know that's going to weaken the return, but those are real players. And I think some combination of that, can I get a real hockey trade in there? Can I get a real, it feels like they don't exist anymore. Player for player, this for that, the kind of Harry Sinden thing that he did all the time. But that's what I think they need. And, I, you know, that's why I would start with those players. I would start with those players. And DeBrusque might be, I think Grizzlick's number one on my list, but uh, Grizzlick Carlo's number one on my list. Goalie's number one on my list. What am I saying? They all can go. DeBrusque can go. <laughs> Bye-bye. I don't trust him. He got Cassidy fired. He's already screwing around this year to begin the year. The production's not there. You know, fine. When he was with Bergeron and Marchand, of course, he put up points. Everyone puts up points. You put up points. But without that, I think, I think I'd have some success with Bergeron and Marshall. Yeah. I'll admit it. I think He's I would. There, you know, pounded in the open net. Uh, but short of that, he just doesn't produce on his own. Bye, bye. I'm enough of Jake DeBrus. Yeah, I. What's I think the worst case this this season's been worst case scenario because he's not producing. So a, you know, I, I guess you could maybe get him back on the relatively cheap. But also, if you wanted to trade him, which again, it's looking more and more like that might have to be the case. His value has gone down. That's the real bad part of this. Is I mean, in the offseason, if you really were to trade him, he's a, he's he's he would be worth a first round pick. He's a potential thirty goal scorer. A team would bite on that. A guy you can put in your top six. And just the inconsistency here, and sort of what's taken place this year. And you know what's funny? Like I haven't hated his game away from scoring. Like he's fine in his own zone. He's responsible. I'm all for that. But the production is what matters with a guy like him. You you drafted him to produce, and. I, my worry right now is, what are you getting in a deal? Like, are you selling so low on him? Uh, and again, you might have to, because if you're going to let him walk in free agency, you might as well get something for him. So that is my worry. Um, in terms of hockey trades, I would love that. My only worry with some of that, and I hate to be Mr. Warrior with all the, you know, things I have against these things, but, you know, a lot of people point out the Pavel Zaka trade, right? And how they traded, you know, Zaka, who was a high-ceiling player who hadn't panned out, kind of like a Jake DeBrusque, for a proven, you know what you're going to get, but he's a lower-ceiling guy like Eric Halla, which is what, just kind of what New Jersey did. My worry would be if you're to trade Jake DeBrusque in a hockey trade, a one-for-one, one, not like package, but a one-for-one, one, you would be getting someone back who, yes, you're sure of, but eh, there's not much potential there. I don't know. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's just not a, a shiny enough new toy for me. But that's sort of a worry I have with that. So, uh, but I agree. I do think you need to find a way to to get a number one center at some point. Again, I don't know if you have the assets to really do it though, because other teams have better better draft picks, better prospects to trade, and the Bruins really just don't have that. So I, I don't know how yeah, you go about you know, someone that. Someone who knows the league better than me would have to look at it and see a highly touted number one center kind of prospect who has been drafted high in the last couple of years. His existing team is a little frustrated with him, or he hasn't. Lindholm and Calgary. Lindholm and Calgary is the one. I that's think that's the one everybody up, has. You know, so again, I don't watch a ton of his games. So someone who knows the league better than me is going to have to fill in that blank. Because you're right, you're not going to draft a guy. I don't know how you get a top ten pick. That's not going to happen. So it's got to be someone who was projected as that hasn't quite panned out early in his career, and you can somehow unlock him. And that's just what it's going to have to be. I don't want to trade Jake DeBrusque for Eric Howla. You know, like, no, 
No, that's no. not the idea. It's for another young prospect who's got upside. Yes. No, I'm 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 in complete agreement with you on that. Um, one last thing, because I'm open this with with Patriots, and I think it's an interesting thing, and you have a more uh, well-rounded perspective on this. I you know I I don't cover the Patriots. I don't you know opine about the Patriots or anything. Um, but do you think there's ever a world? And I I feel like I know the answer here, but. I kind of want to just ask the question. Do you think there's a world in which the Bruins ever surpass the Patriots in attention in this market or no? Those days no. are over. No, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, let, let's be real about what we are here as hockey people. It's it's still a niche sport and we're in the niche. So we get it. We're passionate about it. And this happens to be a town, you know, maybe one of five in America, maybe less. I don't know. That sort of, the hockey team can be the hottest team in town. Like there's not many places in the U S where that exists. This is one of them. And that's great. Believe me. Cause I love the sport. I'd love being able to talk about it on a daily talk show. Well, let's just be real about what it is. It's not, it's, I don't, it's, you know, look, if they're in the Stanley cup final for those two weeks, they'll be number one in town. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like the actual number one team in town. No, I, I think the Celtics can be basketball can be because basketball is a sport that, sort of gravitates towards more casual fans. Um, it's an easy sport. It's kind of for uh, kids love it. It's, you know, it's easy to watch. It's easy to, to digest. Hockey's a little tougher. Uh, and so, no, I think the Celtics have a chance to be the number one team in town. I don't think the Bruins ever, ever will. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, I guess it's a dream of mine for hockey in general for this market. But I, I think it's, I mean, you think back to, like, again, I wasn't alive for it, but there was a time when the Red Sox were number one, right? And the Patriots were way down. And, but again, that was the effect of Brady and, and Belichick and all that. So uh, I guess you would need some sort of uh, dynasty. Not gonna the get there, man. It's just, yeah. I don't think it was in the early 70s there uh, for a time. I, I just don't know how that's duplicated. Yeah. No, I, I, and, and you're right. Also, the NBA is global as hell. Like, yeah. I just think on a level that the NHL probably might not ever be. So, um, do you want to see an in-season NHL tournament? Oh, yeah. The, well, I mean, I, I don't think I need to worry about it because it's automatic. It's coming. It's like it's the, the, the NHL, uh, again, likes to copy everything the NBA does in the first place. And after getting one whiff of this, there's no doubt in my mind that that's coming soon to the NHL. Yeah, I'd be down for it. I think it's good. It's, it's interesting. It's been fun and keeps it interesting, especially in these uh, winter I'm months. It right now, I'm watching Bucks Knicks right now as we speak. I'm into it. Yeah, you're not watching Elias Lindholm uh, from Calgary film. You didn't pull that up immediately see, and start breaking it down. Would if I was that guy, I'd be better informed on those kind of players. But I'm not. What kind of? That's why. That's why I rely on the kids out there. That's right. That's right. Uh, anyways, uh, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. I know obviously two to six every day. Is there anything else you're working on that you want to plug or put out there? No. Thank you for asking. <laughs> no. The radio during the day, the TV at night. That's perfect. Everyone, uh, everybody watch and listen. Uh, anyways, Belgar, thank you. And I'm Evan Marinovsky. Bruce, we listeners have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wasteland.